I, I tell you what I must tell you, my, one of my traumatic experiences in my life as a child, I've never forgotten it. I had a teddy bear called Teddy Murmurs. I've got a photograph of me and Teddy Murmurs. And my brother and sister, the twin, took him out and left him in the garden. And, and, the, and the frost and rain got him and he fell apart. <laughs> He's never got over I'm, it. I've never, I've never, I, I used, every so often when I spoke to your Uncle Nicky, I used to tell him about Teddy Murmurs. Nicky used to <laughs> and they thought it was funny, and it wasn't funny. <laughs> Nicky laughed, it made him laugh. <laughs> Poor old Teddy. I picked him up, and his arm fell off. And that, then, it, then the other arm, and then his head fell off. <laughs> it, it literally <laughs> fell apart. I've heard this about a million times now. <laughs> I thought I'd buy him a new teddy, but I don't think You never buy another teddy murmurs. <laughs> Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Let all be a little bit louder. In 2018, I decided to interview my grandparents as my own little oral history project. I wanted to do this primarily because I love them, and I wanted to preserve their voices so I can continue to listen to them forever. I'm also releasing these conversations as a podcast, as I thought there might be a couple of people out there who would appreciate hearing their stories too. Too often, the lives of ordinary people are lost to history. So here is my little attempt to rectify that. This week's conversation is an introduction, so we started at the beginning. Start when we lived in a, a two up, two bedroom, a two up, two down terraced house. Eight of us. Mm -hmm. Eight. Eight of us. Uh, four children and four adults, and we um, everything was fine. We didn't have any major problems at all. I had a little disputes, but no major problems. Everything went fine. We had one outside toilet. One outside toilet. And so, how did you, how did you sleep if there was eight of you in the bed? Eight of you, not in the bed. Eight of you in the house, well, 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 um, but only two bedrooms. Mum and Dad slept in the <coughs> double bed with the youngest child. Mhm. Mm uh, the brother sister twin slept. Toe, head to toe in a single bed. Mm -hmm. I slept under the window in a single bed. And to get into all the beds, we had to climb across the double bed. So how many brothers and sisters did you have? Uh, uh, <clears throat> two brothers, one sister. Yeah, and the brother and sister are tw the twins. twins. that's it, yeah. Yeah. Sugar my tea. Yeah. Grandma's gone to put more sugar in her tea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you hear that? Because you said... You said very quietly. <laughs> Okay, so how would you describe your childhood in three words? <clears throat> well, it was as it was during the war. Yeah. Uh, exciting, I suppose, for a child. I, that was it, really. Just exciting. Uh, no real worries. Uh, um, um, that, was, that was it, really. It was exciting because of the, what was going on. 
But obviously, <clears throat> in my case, my father was in the army and was at war. So, of course, we uh, in that time, we only had three adults in the house because mm -hmm. right, dad, dad wasn't there. Uh, but nothing... The only, the only thing we really worried, I suppose, when they said that the Germans were going to drop poison food. And I, yes. That was a worry. Other than that, no, uh, everything, was, uh, everything was okay. So, Grandma, where were you born? Raiden in Suffolk. Not, not the one in Essex. There's another Raiden there spelt with an A. You but the so. one where I was born spelt with an E. What was your childhood like? Oof. Um, let me think. Um, what can I say, really? It wasn't too bad up to a. Well, it was a bit. It was a bit stranger than Granddad's. Uh, when I was about nearly four, um, I had a brother, and we lived in a in a nice, very nice, semi-detached house in Raiden. It had all the, for those days, it had a lovely big bathroom, which I remember from the age of four, because it had, um, with the willow pattern wallpaper, and I remember that most of all. <laughs> and it had, it had a large front room and a big dining room, uh, like a, yeah, well, it was a sitting room, you know, dining room, and it had a kitchen. And it had three bedrooms upstairs and this big bathroom. When so a lot of people in those days didn't have a bathroom. Yeah, that sounds like you were quite lucky then. To... It was for a little while, yeah. When I was when I was six, well, no, when I was five, five and a half, my mum and dad got a separation because they weren't getting on very well. So, and I went. They did it properly with a lawyer. And my mum and I went to live in County Durham with some uh, of their mutual friends. And my brother stayed with my grandmother and my aunt because he had to go in hospital for a small operation. And my, so my father kept him and I went with my mum. And then during the war, we got a lot of bombs in West Hartlepool. My grandma told me about the children she lived with. There was one boy the same age as her and a girl two years younger. Their grandma had a bakery across the road. And so while my mum and her friend had to go out to work during the day, they worked in the, in the local steelworks. And so when we came up to school, we had to go to the bakery and stay with the grandmother till the mums came home. Because uh, their dad was in the Air Force. And during the day, weekends, we'd go play around the bomb sites till we got told off by the wardens. <laughs> <laughs> and the boy that we lived with, he, he was a daredevil. He was into everything. And he went and climbed up one of the freestanding chimney stacks that was left from a bomb in the next street. And he got stuck up there and the fireman had to come and get him out. Oh, no. And uh, he wasn't too pleased about that. Yeah, that, that was... I lived up there till I was... Till I was uh, six, well, getting on for seven when we came back to Raiden to live because my mum and dad got together again. And of course, the war was on then. My father went in the army, and my mum and my brother and I 
we lived at a very tiny, tiny bungalow in the village. It was called the Dolce House because it was so small. And that only had, that didn't have a bathroom. It had a little tiny attic room that you had to pull a wooden staircase down from the ceiling to get up into the attic. <laughs> and we used to take our friends up there and play. And, and it had a little tiny toilet on the backyard with a little shed and a little concrete yard. <laughs> And it had a had another it had a coal shed. <clears throat> um, I don't think it had a it didn't have an outhouse. And um, <clears throat> we lived there till <clears throat> excuse me. We lived there until ooh, till my dad came out of the army, and he got shelled through both legs during the war, so he couldn't work for a little while when he came home. And the lady that we rented the bungalow off. She wanted the bungalow for her family then, so the council had to find us a, another place to live. And they found us a requisitioned house, which requisitioned means, of course, the forces had it, and the army had that one, up on Eastern Bavins Cliffs, mm -hmm. right on the cliff top, and it was wonderful, although it wasn't, couldn't be very wonderful for my mum because there was no gas or electricity, no hot water. <laughs> An outside toilet, but the view was wonderful. <laughs> and we spent, um, let me think, I was 10 then, and then we were 13 when we came back to Raiden to live in a new council house. I remember being young, my grandma taking me for a bath or a shower, and her telling me about the day she lived up on a cliff in Eastern Bavins. She would tell me about washing her hair with rainwater so that it was silky smooth. And then she'd tell me about when she moved back to town and washed her hair with tap water again. When we first came back to the village, I washed my hair. and Well, I always wash my hair anyway. <laughs> and, and with water and the tap. <coughs> Excuse me, darling. <clears throat> and uh, it went like a big pound of sticky treacle. And I couldn't make it out. And my father said, I know what that is. We had rainwater up on the cliff. Yeah, it was it was lovely on the cliff because there was all the birds and the, we used to go down on the beach, which, believe it or not, after the war, we used to go and play on the beach and there were still mines on the beach. And my dad, we used to jump. I mean, you couldn't do it now. You, you get arrested for We used to jump off the top of the cliffs, which were all sandy, sandy cliffs, as you probably know. And we used to jump, leap off the top and go down the hill into all the sand. And then we'd run along the beach and my dad said one day there'd been a big gale one night and he'd go there, him and another man that lived. We got friendly with the big Irish family that lived up there and the men used to go down on the beach and look for driftwood to put on the fires because there was only a little coal fire in the houses. And um, my dad said, you can't go on the beach today. He said, why not? And he said, well, you come and look. We've had to peer over the top of the and you can see a mine in the sand, like a, like a tin lid, like a, like a big, it's a landmine, you know, it's a, and it's like a tin lid, and they came and blew that up a little while later, and we reported it, and because uh, you had to, there was no telephones up there, no phones, you had to get on your bicycle and pedal like the devil and go into Raiden to make a phone call, and they come and blew it up. Wow, okay, that sounds, were you scared, or was it, or was it? Well, it's funny because although the bombs 
came over on a regular basis, especially at night. There was more than one bombing raid at night, and they'd come over during the day. And if if us kids, because there was a gang of us where we lived in the village itself, and we used to go out in the road and play at weekends when we weren't at school, and the siren would go, and we'd all wait a few minutes, to, and we the planes that used to come over from the air bases like Ella and Halton and all that round here, they used to come over in their hundreds and you could see them going out across the North Sea and then a little while later the siren would go and we knew we had to scarper back indoors because the Jerry's were coming. <laughs> <laughs> and then one night, and then they had bombs, they were called doodle bugs. They were flying bombs really, they were set off to come over the sea and go off at a certain time. So you could hear them coming. They made a funny sort of doom, doom, doom sort of noise. And um, we could hear them come. We, everybody waited because once they fell silent, you knew they were going to drop. And one night there was a huge bash and cranks one had come over. And it landed just up the road in Wangford oh, in yeah. the field. So that was a near miss. Wow. <laughs> but just... But children, I don't think us kids really, We, I suppose in a funny way, we found the war quite exciting because you'd come dashing in and we then we'd try and count all the different war planes that were going over and try and there was Liberators and, and uh, oh, what was the other ones, um, Lancasters and all that. And I think the, the boys liked the planes, obviously. And we used to have... Oh, it was all right, really. I suppose the mums were scared because there weren't many men left in the village. One or two that couldn't go in the forces for health reasons. They became home guard. Okay, yeah. We had to have blackout curtains at night, and if there was one little chink of light that could be seen from outside, the the air raid wardens used to come round and tell you off. Wow. <laughs> so, what about you, Grandad? Do you remember ever being scared of the war? <clears throat> Really? Not really. Not really. They, they, when the uh, actually, we, I was when the war started. We, I was, we were living in Southampton. My mum and, and I, and dad, <coughs> and uh, we had to move out. Of, and the area we lived in was bombed. Actually, after <coughs> we moved out. But uh, when we got to when we settled in Christchurch, uh, the, which was a garrison town, uh, and as they moved the British troops out of the garrison, they moved the Americans in. So we spent, and most of my friends were all older than me, and I was like the mascot of the gang. <laughs> and, well, not that we did any harm, and, and but we used to follow the Americans, or we used to spy on what the Americans were doing. Uh, and that's enough said about that part of it. <laughs> but the, the house we lived in, like, like, your grand said, it all, we had cold cold water, only a cold water tap, one tap in the whole house. Uh, and that, that was it, an outside toilet. And, and I I think for a child, the, the, the only thing I can remember was a bit trauma. I There was a, uh, a, a, a um, two diseases went around, scarlet fever and diphtheria. And uh, I caught diphtheria and had to go in the hospital with it. And people were uh, were dying from the diphtheria. Mm -hmm. uh, one family, 
lost five of the children all, all, all at one go. And I, I got, used to go to school with them, so I remember that. Uh, but other than that, I think that it, although we were surrounded by rivers at Christchurch, so it was, it was, we didn't have the problems of uh, of uh, not being able to go on the beach. We could go on the river because they weren't guarded. I mean, um, and it was okay no, I mean, for, for a child. It was it was. You know, we we went to school and we collected newspapers for the war effort and jam jars for the war effort. Um, they they used to come. Bread and milk was delivered by horse and cart and that sort of thing. It was it was quite quite a peaceful life. The thing I feel most angry about was when the um, my dad was in the army about fifteen years. And it always annoys me this bit that when when he was demobbed, they <coughs> rounded us up, uh, four children, my mum, mother, and dad, and they stuck us into a new, they stuck us into a tin hut in the middle of a new forest, along with hundreds of other people. Uh, what it was called? Uh, with no, it was called it, the, the, the the local people called it Tin Town. Mm-hmm. The council, council didn't like us. The schools didn't like us, and anybody that lived in Tintown was considered a bit of a, a pariah in those days. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and most of the people who lived there were were ninety percent were ex-servicemen. You say that um, you were considered a social pariah for living there. Is that because the people who lived there were generally poor, or was it? Well, everybody was poor. <clears throat> it, I, that sounds a bit over over simplified, but it, it was a fact that <clears throat> no, it was considered because because a lot of the people were not local. They were ex-service personnel, mainly army, and of course they came from other. They were just bust in, if you like, and housed, uh, and therefore. Uh, it just had a reputation which was unfounded. Right. You know, everybody, uh, everybody, ninety-eight um, percent of the people got on fine. You know, they, there was no, uh, uh, there was no animosity really to speak of. My granddad tells me there was no work for the men in Tin Town, and they had to travel outside of the area if they wanted to get a job. But he says. Although it was difficult for the adults, life there as a child was good. Living there as a child was wonderful, but for the parents, uh, um, it was it was awful because it was again there was only <coughs> only three rooms in this tin hut, Nissan hut. There was only three rooms, which you all had to share, and some of the families had six mm-hmm. or seven, eight children that were there. Um, so from that point of view, it was it was pretty pretty disgusting that they treated us, but particularly soldiers. We did the children didn't know. We didn't really know. But looking back now, when these men were coming back, they were wounded somewhere, as they call uh, um, post-traumatic stress. Now it wasn't recognised then. A lot of these men had this sort of problem, and there was no no medical facilities. Living at Homesley in the forest, the only thing we we did have. We had, they were called, nowadays it would be a bad word, they were called DPs, displaced persons, uh, they were the refugees okay. from Lithuania, 
etc. And, and they lived in the big manor house, and uh, and uh, we were kept oh, completely separate from them. Well, they didn't like us, uh, and so so when we say there was no barrier as such, <coughs> no physical barrier. It, it, it was just uh, an agreed neutral. They had a neutral place whereby you didn't cross wow. and they didn't cross. Um, well, mainly in those days, I doubt if any of them spoke that much English, actually, not like do today. Okay. Um, so I was going to, as well as asking you about your own childhoods, I was going to ask you about childhood in general. Right. So I have a few questions about that. Yeah. But my first question is, what do you... Um, remember about my childhood? About your childhood? Yes. Everything. <laughs> you, you yourself, you mean? About you? Yeah. About, oh. Oh, how, how many days have you got? <laughs> We've got all your childhood in photographs. You do, actually. Letters and cards and... And everything. Don't forget, we've known you since you were three hours old, and we still and we still think we know you. But sometimes I think perhaps we don't. <laughs> oh no, you do. <coughs> I think, I think. Which is quite right because you shouldn't know every single thing about someone else. There's always got a little bit of private part to a person. And I walk, True. and I don't mean your undercarriage. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> that's true isn't it I, I there's think, always a little bit up here that you have to keep private I'm not speaking for your grand here but I'm saying we we spent probably uh, some of the happiest time of our life was with you as a child Aww. Uh, that, uh, is that is genuine that, you, you've been a large large part of our lives and you're and you're you still are and you're uh, we, well to put it to put it mild we think you're pretty fantastic. <laughs> that was true. No, no, we're not pulling your leg. That is true, don't we, Granddad? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We wouldn't have been we wouldn't have <clears> been <throat> be without you for anything in the world because we looked after you quite a lot as a little girl. We consider ourselves very lucky. Yeah, we do. We've been together a long, long time. We've had two lovely sons. We got two great daughter-in-laws, and we got two fantastic granddaughters. Yeah, well, we're oh. lucky to have you as well. Oh, that's Thank nice. <laughs> so, my next question is: um, What do you think is the most important thing about childhood? Well, to me, and I think it applies to granddad as well. We would always put a child first. You know, some husbands and wives, or partners, yeah, whatever you call it, would would put each other first. But we've always put children first. I, you have them, they don't ask to come into the world, and you have them. And you should nurture them and cherish them until they're old enough, to, like little birds, they fly the nest. And then, <laughs> even then you have to keep them as close as you can, even if it's only mentally. Yes. Well, I think that's the most important thing, and to for a child to be happy and not have too much stress and strain on them, really, because ch ch childhood should be happy. Yeah, a child, <clears throat> as a child, you only get one chance as a child. Yeah. As, a, as an adult, you get lots of chances. 
and I, I think uh, and children should should be treated with what can I put it? Well, a lot of love and kindness. A lot of love and kindness. You've got to have a. You've got to have a certain amount discipline, of obviously. Standards, like a first standard. There are certain <coughs> things that the child has to learn. The standards, but yeah. Overall, they should be loved and nurtured. Yeah. And 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 trying to listen to them and explain if you can, and if you can't explain, say, well, I can't help you with that. Don't don't. Don't give my politician's answer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, maybe my last question for you um, is, so you obviously, um, you've both been children at one point in your lives, and you've had children, and you've had grandchildren now. So if one day I have children, what would you advise me about childhood, and what would you advise me about having children? Oh, darling. <laughs> well, um, well, we've just said... You, take, an in, take, an, take an interest in them. Yeah, you, you'd have to put it first. That would be my... Take an interest in them. That's important. You wouldn't have to isolate your husband or your partner, but it, in, in everything in a way, the baby and the child would have to come Confer first. Always, but always. You and your husband would have to work at the little moral issue, you wouldn't be no good saying, I want some of my child or girl or boy, whatever it is, to do so and so, and then the husband says, no, he or she's not doing You've got to agree. You can't pull the child both ways, two ways. Mm -hmm. if, if you make a rule that the child's got to do something like, um, well, say for homework, for instance, when it gets to school, and, and one of you says, I don't want to do homework, so it's no good. Order. And the other one says, yes, it must. You, you've got to both agree, otherwise you cause a lot of conflict in the child. You must have that balance. I mean, you know, you and your husband or whatever, you're not going to agree with each other all the time. But I think with a child, you've got, you've got to compromise. Yeah, because I say you've got to... If Granddad and I have been married, as you know, six, 63 years, 63 years <laughs> this year, and God, we, we've had some uproars rows in the past, years and years <laughs> ago. But gradually, you've got, you got to you got to give and take. You know, we, we can argue, but Granddad's got a lot of different opinions to me and me from him, but uh, we, get along, we get along, right, don't we? Yeah, we're, all, we're, all right. we're, we're all right. No, as long as you've got a good good husband, mm -hmm. you you have you have to wash up. Yeah, I've got a good I've got a good husband. Listen, you, See, you he, he does a lot of the washing up. No, you so to, I usually wipe. You have to wash up together. If you can wash up together yeah. at the sink, <laughs> washing all the pots and pans and drying yeah. them, you're all right. You've been listening to Call Your Grandparents by me, Molly Sanford Ward. Thank you to my grandparents for being interviewed, and thank you to you for listening. I'll leave you with this bit of wisdom from my grandparents. If you if you plan for a year, you plant seed. And if you plan for a hundred years, you plant a forest or plant a tree. And if you plan for a thousand years, you educate your young. Because that's the important thing. You know, because all we have is history. Well, yeah, all you have is future. You've got your future.
We hope we've still got a bit of future, but most of our lives are now behind us, if this, you see what we mean. This is why yeah. old people... Why old people reminisce a lot is because that's that's their history. That's their that's their life. It's like looking through a photographic album.